0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to The Daily Friend Wrap. I'm your host, Nicholas Lorimer. Today, I'm joined by Makwane Maja. The stories we're going to cover today are disorder, chaos, and general malfeasance in South Africa, badly performing schools, and also the role of the ANC in economic policy and businesses' response to it. So let's start off with our first story, and this is uh, two stories we're going to do kind of as one item. One is that a... A couple of houses in Kyalicha spent a month without electricity the entirety of the holiday season without any electricity because um, on the 21st of December, uh, ESCOM technicians were attacked by robbers uh, while they were trying to repair something. As a result, ESCOM pulled all of its technicians from the area and didn't service the, the repair until, I believe, a couple of days ago. Uh, the residents in the area blame the intimidation of the Escom staff on a syndicate extorting money from companies in the area. They're very happy that Escom is back. They say they know who the criminals are, but they are scared to do anything about it because they fear that they will be uh, punished by the criminal gangs if they try to report them to the police. At the same time, on the other side of the country in Tembisa, a angry mob on Sunday night attacked a number of men who had accused of a number of crimes, um, muggings, housebreakings, and rape were what they were accused of. It goes without saying there wasn't really anything like approaching a trial. These men were tied up and stoned to death in the middle of the street. Uh, There were six men, five of them died on the scene, one died today from his wounds. No No arrests have been made. And I would just say we heard whistles from 11 at night and the community came out. That's when we heard screaming and they began hitting them with cricket bats, um, and the, the couple of guys were killed. So this is these two stories together are kind of, I think, McCorno, just emblematic of the sort of state of chaos and disorder that many parts of South Africa seem to have degraded into. We've seen massively worsening uh, crime stats recently. But beyond that, uh, we know that our crime stats aren't actually telling the full story. Why? Because so many South Africans have so little faith in the police, they are consistently the government institution that is, uh, receives the lowest amount of approval from South Africans that many people don't even bother to report to the cops. What do you make of these two stories?
1: Not only that, Nick. it's only it takes a few members, brazen members of the community in Kailica that you just mentioned, to take the law into their own hands before they end up like the one in Tembisa, right? Because they're seeing a vacancy in not only visibility of police officers or of law enforcement officers, but of law enforcement in its entirety. And I don't know it's such a conflicting conundrum to be a South African in those communities because if you do nothing, then you sort of end up like one of those communities we covered a couple of, I think last year, July already, where in Boxburg, there were these cylinders that were leaking gas that resulted in deaths of like 17 people. Um, but So it, it's somewhere between that and something like Operation Dudula or even the one in Tembisa where you kind of have a community policing forum. Um, some are not so sophisticated like the one you're talking about where they will blow whistles to alert everyone around them of a danger. But even then, you'll still end up with mob justice resulting in, again, several lives lost, or you you are in Kayalicha and you don't have any of those structures and you spend the festive season in darkness. I mean, I don't encourage people taking the law into their own hands, but at the same time, you can just sort of see how that despair, that hopelessness, that no options or leads people to end up doing things such as killing or yeah, injuring six people up into up well into those injuries leading to death or fatality. So it it really is a conundrum. But these people are between a rock and a hard place. But it all boils down to what you said that there's inaction um, from the police, inaction as far as law enforcement and even visibility is concerned. If if you and if you don't live in the suburbs where you can afford to have private security, private security. And provide, provide security for you, then your options really are dudula and the rock that it's going to, you're going to use to stone someone to death.
0: So, I mean, and of course it goes without saying that uh, no one knows if these guys were actually guilty of anything. We may never know. Maybe some of them were guilty. Maybe some of them were not guilty. We don't, we don't know. That's of course the, the, the real ugliness of this, but the most basic function of is that it needs to provide the simple basics of law and order. And I think uh, after 2024, whatever the government is that is going to be an absolute priority is pulling back down our murder rate. Just one other little anecdote. I was speaking recently to an American friend who I hadn't talked to for a while. He's a a guy studying uh, economics at at a PhD level. And unprompted, we hadn't talked for a while, he said, I don't want to get you down or anything, but what is going on in South Africa and what he was referencing was the huge rise in crime that we've had. I believe um, in either 2021 or 2022, I'm I'm, I'm not quite remembering, we are now somewhere like third in the world for a number of murders per per capita, which is much worse than previous years. We generally sit around nine or 10th in the world. Um, So that is, of course, a very worrying sign. Okay, let us go on to our next story. There was a little IOL story about a school, Crestway High School, in the Western Cape, which is among the province's worst performing schools. This, of course, is not unusual. Um, There are uh, at least a couple of schools around the country which have abysmal pass rates. The national pass rate was around sort of 81%. This school, however, seems to have managed only about 36% pass rate. Um which is even a massive decline for this school in the past few years when they achieved over 50% pass rates in the two years prior. Only 10% of students got what's called a bachelor's pass, which is the sort of highest level of pass you can get. Uh, um, the Western Cape Education Department has uh, said that it's going to be implementing a whole bunch of things to try and get this school back on track. Uh, grade 12s at the school are going to attend Saturday classes this year. They're going to give Additional training to teachers. Um, the school's management team has been enrolled in a teaching and leadership course, and those all seem like good um, interventions. But you know, it's not just the Western Cape, of course, where you see schools like this. In fact, sometimes you will find a school, usually in one of the very poor provinces, usually like Limpopo or the Eastern Cape, which has a zero percent pass rate. Um, you know, why do we have so some schools that are just so badly performing?
1: So I was saying to you almost half-jokingly before the show, Nick, why all the drama? 35% in this country is, of course, a pass. (laughs) So why all the sudden attention to schools that are performing below 50% when we don't even benchmark 50% as a pass in this country? Uh, But yeah, of course it's alarming and all these interventions in matric are not going to be very helpful of course, because matric is, again, only the tip of the iceberg. And The attention that is needed and required should be to the throughput as a metric of outputs of and outcomes of good quality education. The number of students that we lose between grade one and grade twelve, for example, the fact that our grade fours can't read, our grade fives can't do math, our grade six teachers can't do grade six level math, they can only do grade five and four level, grade five and four and below level math. So I'm not sure why why all the drama, but I'm not convinced with all the interventions at the metric level already. I think we need to take this or dial this all the way back to grade one, those very early fundamental phases. Um and I was actually very pleased to hear the Minister of Education talk about ECD as an intervention, saying that kids need to start school. F- far earlier than grade R. I'm not convinced that needs to be a government intervention necessarily because it's just going to be more of the poor quality education that we already have. Um, Like I don't want to send kids to ECD facilities only for them to be taught from that young age already that 30% is is adequate pass. (laughs) But um, yeah, the the interventions need to start at the fundamentals level, which is far, far um, before metric
0: i agree completely uh you know as as uh, I think professor Jonathan jansen said recently um this 80 percent pass rate doesn't uh, accord with the fact that something like 80 percent of grade fours can't read for meaning mm-hmm. um you know what is this pass rate actually showing us if we know that in the very early stages of education and there doesn't seem to be much evidence that this really changes throughout the education process is that our students generally speaking south africa lag way behind where they should be if you take them by an objective measure. Okay, let us move on to our last story for today. And these are some comments by the CEO of NetBank that make me um, sort of want to bash my head against the table. Uh, He says some things, I think, here that are very correct. He was talking to CNBC Africa. He talks about South Africa is a very difficult place to invest right now. that uh, there's lots of poten, there is lots of potential in the country. However, for investment in a wide variety of, of areas, from mining to tourism. Um, however, this is being held back by significant problems with policy and um, as well as infrastructure problems. However, he then started sort of saying that South Africa, however, does have a story to tell about how South Africa is fixing its electricity crisis, logistics, crime, and corruption. I'm not sure what South Africa he's looking at, but there doesn't seem to be very strong evidence of that right now. And this is the bit uh, that sort of caught the attention of the headlines. Uh, he said that even if the ANC goes below 50%, it's still likely to remain in the governing seat. And so they're not going anywhere anytime soon. And therefore their policies need to be paid the most attention to. And this is the bit that, it's me so much. The ANC's policies are largely correct in addressing South Africa's major challenges, but have taken far too long to implement. No, 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 no. (laughs) So the ANC's policies, especially since 2009, have been horrifically destructive. Yes, there has been a lot of bad implementation. When the ANC does happen to come up with a good policy in a particular area, it's usually implemented badly too. But this is fundamentally missing the point. The ANC's policies are the problem. In fact, many of the dysfunctions are a direct result The the inability to implement is a direct result of ANC policies which have hollowed out the state. Makona, do you you agree with my exasperation here about just how big business in South Africa keeps saying these same cliched, boneheaded things?
1: 100%. The naive side of me wants to say perhaps that um, pitch the NetBank CEO was making was a symbol of just how difficult it is to sell South Africa on this idea that there is a story to tell about how we're fixing logistics, electricity, crime and corruption, but also to go on and talk about how the right policies by the ANC um, just needs the right implementation. Perhaps he was actually demonstrating just how difficult it truly, truly is to tell the South African story. And maybe he doesn't believe any of that. I, I highly suspect that he doesn't actually believe half of those words that he later said about policies being the right ones. I I, I, I think he's just espousing a false optimism in the ANC, but hopefully history proves him wrong and that we can finally do a way, do a cleansing <laughs> of anything ANC in about two to three elections.
0: Yeah, the, You know, if we want to change the trajectory South Africa's on, we actually need to change the inputs. We need to change our laws. And until we do some of those things um and any government can do it the ANC can start doing it tomorrow and they'll see great results we will turn our fortunes around but if we keep doubling down and doing the same centralized state-focused uh, uh micromanaging overtaxing over overregulated approach to literally every sector of the economy we're just going to keep going down the road we currently go in anyway that's all the time we have to do we hope you found the show interesting We will of course be back tomorrow. That's a wrap.